Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Texas Fourth Nation. I'm Jonathan Alexander here at Brooks Cabina. And Brooks, as we kind of expected, Levy Smith was fired uh, Sunday night shortly after Texans won their season finale, 32-31, to 31, and, and what was a kind of a crazy ending. Davis Mills throw a Hail Mary pass to Jordan Aikens, and then they went for the two-point conversion. And then the press conference was... It's equally as interesting where Lovey Smith said he thought he expected to come back, and then as soon as they get off the plane, uh, get an announcement that he was fired. Definitely wasn't a surprise to us, but let me get your overall thoughts of, of why you may or may have thought this had to happen. Jonathan, we've been talking about this for several weeks at this point. Um, the Texans, over the course of this year, had a full body of work of what was going on, and this was not a team that was – on the right track. I mean, especially offensively, um, everything that uh, the offense was doing was worse than what the unit had done the year before, especially the regression of Davis Mills. Um, but defensively, too, I mean, this is a team that whenever they lost the Jaguars 31-3, to a lot of their same issues were um, flaring again. Explosive plays in the run game. Um, and then, again, on, on Sunday... Uh, there were several plays just like that, even though the Texans were able to overcome it. And Lovey Smith was a defense coordinator last year, too. And there were a lot of those same issues. And, uh, you know, those are the kind of things that this team was evaluating. And uh, it, no, it wasn't surprising that they fired him. But this is a situation now where uh, Nick Casario has now entered unprecedented territory. No NFL GM has ever fired in the Super Bowl era two coaches, one and done, back-to-back. Only the 49ers have been a team that have fired one and done coaches back-to-back other than the Texans. This is a situation where Casario now, it's very important that he get his next hire right. And I think the most interesting thing that's developed since then was in the press conference with Cal McNair and Nick Casario, Nair made it very clear that he is going to be more involved in this process this time. He's normally a hands-off owner, just like his dad was. Sometimes that was to a fault. In a lot of ways, not being involved with allowing the leadership at the, with the Texans to do their jobs, uh, sometimes to a fault. That's what allowed Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby in that era to provide the dysfunction that led to Nick Casario being hired and even allowing Casario to take on a large part of that role led to these past two uh, head coaching searches that didn't work out. So uh, Cal McNair, um, we visited with 
uh, Cal, an interview, you know, he talked about why that's important. They know they have to get this hire right. And it's notable for the family that they're stepping in this much. And it's notable for Nick Casario, who had all the trust in the world, still has a lot of trust with the Vignair family. But if this doesn't work out, he's made it pretty clear and said so himself on Monday that the clock is ticking. And if, if they don't win, I would very, with the next coach, I'd be very surprised if Casario lasts and was able to hire a fourth. I'm sure there are a lot more questions from that. But what was your takeaway? I, I think, you know, I thought it was interesting. You know, first, Casario's kind of tone, he, you know, he's like you mentioned, and, and, um, you know, he said that, you know, he felt like the talk was clicking. He sounded like a guy who knew his, his uh, job was on the line. He had to get this particular one right. And, and that's why Cal is, is, is stepping in to, to kind of help out. Um, you know, because he wants to make sure that, um, you know, they get whoever the best candidate. And you can kind of see in the candidates who they've requested the interview from D'Amico Ryan to Ben Johnson um, to Jonathan Gannon and the list. They're shooting for some of the hotter names right now on the market who are considered, you know, these next up and coming coaches. You know, it's vastly important for them. And I think, you know, based on our conversations, you know, Cal has you know, has liked what Nick Casario has done as far as getting them into a much healthier place um, in the salary cap and, and finding good draft picks. But, you know, obviously, um, you know, not every part of his job he's been pleased with because, you know, if he was super pleased with how he's been hiring coaches, he wouldn't be taken apart, like you said. So um, I, I just thought it was interesting. We hadn't seen that tone from Nick Casario in press conferences previously. You know, it, it hadn't been like that. He had seemed like he had almost been humbled in a way, um, you know, trying to uh, take accountability. And, and, and he's definitely been criticized on social media by Texans fans for his inability to, um, you know, hire the right coach. I, I just thought it was, you know, interesting. I, I look back at, you know, the, the coaching hire and, you know, I think they'll admit it too. Like, whoever was going to get that coaching job last year, um, you know, they weren't going to be successful in that position. You know, the Texans got down to their, uh, you know, their first choices. They weren't able to hire um, for whatever reason. Um, and um, Lovey Smith was, you know, the guy who was kind of late to the process, hadn't been a name um, out there as far as other other teams wanting. There weren't other teams that were interested in hiring Lovey Smith for their head coaching job. So they kind of, you know, settled and, and then they got what they got and then they fired Lovey Smith after one year. So I thought it was the move that they had to make considering, but, but I also believe that they shouldn't have hired Lovey Smith in the first place because I don't think he was ever going to be successful. That's the whole interesting part of why Cal McNair is stepping in now. I remember being in Mobile at the Senior Bowl and covering this, the last search, and even before that, firing David Culley signaled that they were trying to find someone that would allow them to be more competitive, to develop players better, to set them up for a quicker step into the rebuild phase. And when Nick Casario, who led that search, those candidates that were coming out were names like Heinz Ward or again, Josh McCown and, you know, Jonathan Gannon, who's now a hot name again. I mean, he was a defensive coordinator with the Eagles still. He was an interesting candidate. There were a lot of people that thought he was going to be um, the one that ended up getting the job. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly he goes through the process this time. 
around. But it cannot be ignored that Jack Easterby's influence on that search almost led to a situation where an unqualified or really an un- unexperienced, unqualified is how a lot of critics felt. A lot of people that I spoke to about Josh McCown were at first baffled that he might be hired as a head coach, but then would say, I could see that one day. Uh, anybody, he'd been a journeyman quarterback, he'd been in the league for a long time, impressed a lot of people, and they felt that he could be have that potential and the Texans would have just skipped a lot of steps to have done that. He was definitely a, had a deep friendship with Jack Easterby, who was fired in October. And, uh, you know, looking back on that, to see the Texans almost hire Josh McCown, pivot at the last minute after Brian Flores sued the NFL for racial discrimination. Um, Flores was a candidate for the Texans. Nick Casario denied that that had anything to do with it. But they moved on to Lovey Smith, who was already on staff. And like you said, nobody was searching for Lovey Smith on their head coaching. Lovey Smith had been fired as Illinois' coach. And you look at Illinois now and to Brett Bielema, they're doing really well. That hire uh, in itself signaled the alarm for this team. And it would have been backing into a good situation if Smith, if things under Lovey had worked out. So really from the onset, it was confusing. And the result now isn't all that surprising. But if it had turned out well, that would have been the unexpected part. So really, this has just been kind of waiting for a while for, in some ways, the inevitable. And uh, it showed Casario needed more help, or at least needed to open him up more to have a better process in the head coaching search. But you mentioned the other thing, Jonathan, this is true. I mean, what Casario has been able to do um, over the last few years has been reset the deck on the roster to the point where they can open up their budget again. They can spend in free agency. He traded Deshaun Watson to the Browns and secured six total draft picks, three first rounders. They're going to have two again this year and two again next year. And uh, that should be a scenario where the Texans are a really uh, desirable job. But because of all the questions, because of the firing two back-to-back coaches because of uh, some of the questions of how involved Casario has been personnel-wise and whether he's able to let go of certain things. There are a lot of questions remaining. So I'm, I'm interested in some ways to see how the head coaching candidates take the Texans seriously and how many of their questions have been answered now. So do you feel like the Texans' job? I mean, there's several open right now. Yeah. Where does this rank in terms of availabilities? You know, I think it ranks among the top three right now because I think what are there about five or six jobs opening right open right now? I think it ranks behind you know the Panthers and the Cardinals uh, for this situation, and, and I think it's interchangeable with the Cardinals. It could be no, it could be number two. I think the Panthers, given the fact that you know they were close to the playoffs and David Tepper has a lot of money, and the Cardinals they have a franchise quarterback who, you know, has had some of his issues, but he still has that ability. He's still young in his career. And they have good weapons. And then the Texans, you know, the fact that they have all those first-round draft picks, you know, four first-round draft picks in the next two rounds, and, and a lot of young pieces who could be good if they continue to develop those players makes it a, an, an attractive job. You know, they do have to get over the, the bad perception 
you know, the perception that they that they fired two coaches in the past year. That's going to, you know, coaches are going to have questions. Um, you know, who's leading the operation? You know, how 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 involved is Nick Casario going to be? Which I thought made, you know, his comments interesting that he said that he would take a step back if he felt like they wanted to hire a coach who wanted to have more involved and, and thought that Nick Casario needed to, um, you know, take some steps back. I thought that was interesting. I, I, I did not expect Nick Casario to to say that but to me that opens up the door that they would be open to you know hiring Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh or somebody one of those coaches who wants to have you know roster uh, management I can't see Nick Casario honestly though going for that for much longer and how, how many you know people want to um, you know have their abilities stripped away but it, it, it does at the end it does show that you know, the Texans are willing to get it right. that They'll hire whoever they think is the best candidate. But I'll be interested to see if Sean Payton and and, and uh, somebody else um, who may want those duties, um, you know, be involved, be a name that pops up in the in the interview process. Yeah. With Nick Casario, from the moment he was hired here in last last year, I did a deep dive into the people who knew him with the Patriots. He'd been there for you know over two decades. Um, there were stories of him you know, working so hard that he once fell asleep in his office and like cut his face. His boss, Scott Pioli, like saw him in the hallway and was like, okay, you need to go home. I I tell that story because like he is very, very, he has a hard work ethic, like a lot of people in the NFL to the point where he took on a lot of responsibility with this job, being the project manager for an entire rebuild process and with these head coaching searches, he admitted himself that he didn't listen to enough people in the building. You mentioned earlier how he spoke humbly, and that was kind of a different tone before. Not that he was audacious or anything else in the others before, but it did feel like he was a lot more humble in this one, uh, just brought down low, because he, he knows he's at risk of losing it all. And the other thing about this is, like, I, I still don't think someone like Sean Payton might take this job just because... He's very, very involved with personnel, and I don't know what the back and forth between him and Nick Casario would even be if Casario let off a bit, but maybe they would find some ways to to work together, and Peyton might not get jobs like the Broncos, and maybe the Cowboys doesn't become available. Maybe they, they go on and they like McCarthy. But what that also serves to at least show that you're interested in the Sean Paytons, the Jim Harbaugh's or whatever, that signals to the rest of the league or anybody looking at the job Hey, they're actually taking this serious, you know, like last year, if you're sitting there and you're any other head coach in Canada or assistant coach or any, you know, analyst or passing game coordinator or, or, or future coach, or whatever, and you start seeing names that are like, why are you even interviewing that person? Your credibility is hurt so that the Texans are going and I would feel like this is McNair's influence is like, OK, why aren't we? interviewing the why aren't we even filing to the league office the request to interview the D'Amico Ryans of the league so that in itself is kind of the first thing that we've seen in the difference of this head coaching search so far there are some reports that D'Amico's not interested he's a former Texans linebacker it would make a lot of sense in terms of uh unity of uh of past and present he's a guy that's got a really good scenario right now and he can make a choice and uh, decide the best situation for him. He doesn't have to go anywhere. The Fort Airs are a very good organization, so he's going to be a candidate for a long time. But to even file that name gives the process legitimacy. I think that's the first step we'll see. We'll see if anybody 
ends up uh, ends up listening, and I'd be very interested to know how those interviews go early on when Cal is more involved, and what questions he might be able to answer, and uh, whether that is a productive situation or not. Just out of those, I, I wonder how how different uh, whatever someone goes goes through. Yeah, absolutely. Previously, we we just hadn't seen. Cal taking on as big a role, and and now you see him taking on more of a role. It's, it's him showing accountability, and and you know I think he cares a lot about. Uh, it seems just based on our conversation, seems to care a lot about what the fans um, have thought about this process, and just trying to trying to do more to listen. And um, you know we'll see if it works out in their favor. They got to get this right. You know the fact that they have all these first round draft picks for in the next two years some third round draft picks better salary cap situation they they do have to start winning like I, i'm not saying they have to be a playoff team next year they certainly don't but they have to show improvement and by two or three years just based on what they have they have to they have to do better or or you know i can't see any reason you know nick Cicero would keep his job if, if he can't find a way to be successful I, I think they are set up in a way that if they hit right with coaching hire and they continue to develop these players, they can be in a better position. I don't see any reason why they, why they couldn't unless they just, unless they just drafted a bust, they should have some good picks with that number two pick. I think so too. And the thing that you mentioned there at the beginning, I think this is maybe more important than anything at this point, because with all teams, a lot of their success comes down to how they're led top to bottom. And the Texans have been highly criticized top to bottom, sometimes by, former players themselves. So Cal McNair, from the time he took over uh, for his late father in November 2018, this team has has not been doing very well. And there are, like I said earlier, why it's notable that he's stepping in is because they've been very hands-off, the family, for a long time. But the decisions that ownership has to make sometimes, where you're saying, okay, well, I want you to be able to do your job. Okay, well, then Bill O'Brien is turning in a trade for sending DeAndre Hopkins away for a steal. That's a that's a trade that an owner typically would come in and say, no, you got to you got to make that work out. Or you could pick a lot of things over the past couple of years where a lot of uh, executives from the Jackie Easterbys to the Bill O'Briens to now Nick Casario, where the ownership needed to get involved. And there's accountability from Cal on that in terms of his process and how he's stepping in now. It'll be very interesting to see um, how he continues to step into this role. He's less than four years into it now. I, I keep saying this to any fan that talks to me about the McNair family and how they, if they're critical of them, how they should sell. Ownership is never really going to sell a, a living, breathing money printing machine, especially when the McNair family has a lot invested in uh, you know, Bob McNair brought the football back to Houston. So this is a very important thing to their family. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how his decisions, how his more involvement leads into what kind of results. I don't think this is the slippery slope towards a Jerry Jones type involvement. I mean, that's the absolute far end of the spectrum. I do think it's uh, very, very notable uh, that he's invested in this kind of way. And uh, we'll see what it ends up. Um, you mentioned the pick there, number two overall. Chicago has it now. Do you feel like their draft positioning affects this job and, and, and whether whether someone wants to take it or not? And since we're kind of on this 
on this topic, if Cal is starting to step in more, should we expect him to be more involved in how Casario even spends that pick? I do think that Cal trusts Nick Casario as far as drafting. I think he has full trust. In, it, just based on our conversation, it seems like he has full trust in, in how uh, Casario drafts. And, you know, that's Casario's forte, being, being a former scout, things like that. So, you know, that's his expertise, and he, he's done well in, in that. So, you know, I doubt Cal would step in in that, in that area as much. I'm sure he would probably want to know, you know, how, how things are going. But I, I think it just seems like the biggest gripe has been how they've hired coaches and how they've gone about that process. And how Cal has, how Casario has needed to be a little bit more collaborative in working with people instead of, you know, taking on everything by himself. But as far as that number two pick, I think it's still an attractive pick because they can still draft a great quarterback or, or one of the better quarterbacks. They might have their pick between the quarterbacks. I think when you talk to draft analysts around this league, they love both Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And the, Bear, the Bears can't pick both. And they might not pick either because they have their quarterback. And even if they trade it, the Texans could still get a good quarterback. So I think it's an attractive job because I think it's something that they can work with. A, a starting point, I think every team needs a franchise-type quarterback. And these quarterbacks seem to have that potential far greater than last year's draft. This was last year's draft. This could have been a problem. But this year, you have some talent. So I think it's an attractive job from that standpoint. And then the fact that you can get another quality, high-quality player. I remember GM once told me last year that the way they look at the draft is the top 16 picks are your franchise-changing players. After that, there's a little bit of a drop-off. Um and the Texans have two of those franchise-changing players. They can really hit it on the nail. So I think this is a more than an attractive job, and I think they're good at, at number two. I, I don't think it's an issue. A lot of people are really complaining that they went from one to two. I don't think it's really that big of an issue, considering who's at the top, considering what's at the top, what players are at the top, considering what team is picking at the top. I, I agree from the beginning with what you said. I, I think I just wanted to bring it up, too, because – of how how much you know this notable step that Cal McNair is going into, I do agree also that personnel has been Casario's thing to suggest him that he might not have as much power over that anymore would be probably an overreach at this point. I do think that there is a drop off from number one to number two. I I dove into that data from the beginning of the Super Bowl era, especially in terms of quarterbacks. The number two overall quarterback that's been selected over time has significantly been less successful than the number one overall um, selection. This is a scenario that I know there are people in the Texans building that have doubts about Bryce Young. We've heard about his size. The kind of things that I've heard about Bryce Young in terms of his size and that being something to critique, it's not that, oh, we can't see over the line or, oh, you know, he doesn't have the prototype strength or whatever else. It's about durability. You look at him in his size, like if he gets hit, is he going to stand over the course of a season? Those are legitimate concerns when you're going to invest that much money, that much capital, that much time and into you know a player. But we've seen other players over time. Think, think of like, I wouldn't say Justin Fields is exactly the same type of build. You know, he's over 1,100 yards rushing and he's been battered sometimes this year. He didn't play. In the season finale, is that something over the course of his career that's going to be a concern? So when you look at C.J. Stroud, you know his build is different. 
Um, is that something, depending on whoever's here and whoever's coaching, is that what they value more? Is that something that Casario values more? Why I think the number two overall pick is different is that you can't go in there and say, all right, you know what? I don't feel good about any of the quarterbacks. I'm going to take the very best next available. Say the Bears, you know, they got Justin Fields. Their very best next available very much could be Will Anderson. So Will Anderson's off the board. Now you're deciding between two quarterbacks. Like, think of this. The Texans last year beat the Chargers in what I will call a meaningless game because what did it do? You fired your coaching staff and, you know, you you didn't go to the playoffs. That missed you out on the number one overall pick and Aiden Hutchinson. So Hutchinson's balling out for the Lions. Or you could have picked, you know, anyone. So Stingley might work out over the long haul, but that that took you away from taking a very all hands, no questions asked talent that that could end up being a problem. It's going to be interesting what the Bears do with that pick. I still sense that maybe you've got people like the Colts who are now in great position. They're within the top five. That's they don't have to jump as far to trade up and get the quarterback they want. That's a team that I think really needs one. Seahawks too they could use some of their draft picks to help move up that'll be a scenario that uh Casario's definitely gonna have to deal with whenever I dove into his history with the Patriots and with the Texans his personnel style they basically draft every pick one to a hundred act like that they you know could take that pick and then they have all of those and then they separate into tiers I'd be very interested to know <laughs> as anybody would Who's in that top tier and how many names are there? Who who at number two overall, all would they be very happy with if they were available? Um, that's how Casario looks at it. I don't know if that differentiates whether it's number one or number two. Look, we've got about five, four, four months here uh, to talk about that. And it'll definitely be interesting to see how the head coach will influence that. Because Lovey Smith, even with the free agents, thinking of all the pass rushers they added in the offseason. Think about you know, how they drafted a cornerback. And Lovey Smith said they needed that to get better. I wonder how much the head coach will marry up to what they eventually end up drafting. We'll see pretty soon. Draft coming up in late April, but we got a lot of events coming up. We appreciate y'all following us throughout the regular season. We'll continue to bring y'all more content. Please check out our work. We have some good work coming out. HoustonChronicle.com slash sports. Uh, until next time. <laughs>